Welcome to the Ask an Expert podcast, hosted by Joshua Carlson, co-founder of the award-winning direct marketing agency, Propello Media. Ask an Expert is a show of candid conversations with proven business and thought leaders, talking about real problems, and more importantly, about real solutions you can use to benefit your own business. We hope you enjoy the honest and organic nature of each guest's conversation. So let's jump right in. What are the ways that you can scale your business quickly? Well, if you ask our guest today, he believes going back to the basics, focusing on things like the 80-20 rule, as well as focusing on simplicity, are the foundations to making your business scale quickly. Hi, I'm Joshua Carlson. In today's Ask an Expert segment, I'm going to be sitting down with Christo Popoff. He's the founder and CEO of a company called Fast Track. They've researched hundreds and hundreds of companies, focusing on winners and losers from different industry segments. And what they've done is they put together a blueprint that outlines what you should be focused on to scale your business. Now let's get started. Christo, thank you for coming on our Ask an Expert segment. Uh, I appreciate your time today. You're very welcome. Good to be here. Perfect. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, You've got a firm that's focused on um, speed and energy um, through simplicity and 80-20. Can you walk us through what that's about and how you help firms? We have done a lot of studies of companies all over the world, uh, and we've been trying to understand uh, what is the difference between winners and losers uh, and why some companies are ridiculously successful uh, while in the same environment other companies suffer. Uh, And we have identified three interesting elements. Uh, The first one is for the successful companies, the guys managing the business, they are not striving for work-life balance. They take it personally. So it's personal. Uh, Number two, these companies somehow manage to generate energy and speed. Uh, And then we decided to dive deeper and we asked ourselves, what what generates energy and speed in in companies? Uh, And we reached five different conclusions. Uh, The first one is the 80-20 rule. Uh, I mean, successful people don't get everything done. Successful people get the most important thing done. And if you just think about the 80-20, uh, 20% of your effort give you 80% of the result. Right. If you master this, you go to the office tomorrow. You work one day a week, and you're going to get 80% of the job done. We think this is the ultimate efficiency hack. Okay. And a lot of companies are obsessed with doing efficiently what should not be done at all. So our thinking is before you have crystal clarity of what is the 20%, don't make a move. Okay. Because most likely this move will be inefficient. So number two uh, is simplicity. Uh, Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And what is sophistication? Sophistication is not when there is nothing to add. Sophistication is when there is nothing to remove. Okay. You cannot be fast if you're not simple. Right. So if you bring only these two elements together, 80-20 and simplicity, I can promise your business will operate faster. So these are the two, the first two out of the five principles of energy and speed. Okay. And I saw somewhere you guys talk about um, not only helping organizations, but helping people. How do you look at applying these to individuals as well as organizations as a whole? It's very simple. Uh, now, I've done a lot of studies in some of the best business schools in the world, and I, I, I work with big blue uh, chip companies like McKinsey and Shell. Uh, and at the same time, I was obsessed uh, with the idea of personal 
development, personal efficiency. Okay. And I'm surprised that big consultants, big companies, big business schools don't talk about it. And if you think about it, a company is a group of people. Right. The company can never outgrow the people it has. It's like a school. A school is only as good as the teachers in the school. Sure. So if you want to grow the company, grow the people. Nine out of 10 times, the people are the bottleneck of the company. And if you don't have efficient people on a personal level, you cannot have an efficient company. So we went on a journey to study efficiencies of companies and efficiencies of people. And what surprised me is the commonality. The principles of gaining personal efficiency are absolutely identical with the principles of developing an efficient company. So okay. there, are only, there are only three boxes. There are only three boxes. Number one is energy. If there's no energy, you have nothing. Sure. Energy is the capacity to do stuff. And we split energy in two parts. The first one is the, the engine of the car, how much energy you have in, uh, in your body, in your mind. Mm -hmm. And the second is the steering wheel. This is the mental energy. So the first box is energy. The second box is the, box is the action. Okay. Once you have the energy, you have to apply it into doing stuff. And action has two elements. Do you do the right thing? This is the 80-20. And do you do it in the best possible way? So box number two is action. And box number three, whatever you do today, I can promise you tomorrow you can improve. So box number three is your ability to reflect on yourself or on the business, learn out of it, and improve. So these are the three boxes. Generate energy, the right action in the right way, and learn out of it. The first two are one of the second is an ever-going process. And you'll be amazed how equal the application is and the techniques and the methodologies are on a personal level and on a company level. So we are obsessed with these three boxes and we, we're trying to figure out how to do it better on a personal level and a company level. Okay. Well, so let's talk about organizations that are struggling right now. Um, what are some things that you see organizations doing well, whether that's pivoting? And what are some things that you see organizations um, are still struggling with um, because they're not maybe doing that reflecting that you're talking about? We play a game called capitalism. And this game is driven by one simple law, and it is the law of supply and demand. If there is demand and not enough supply, it's a nice place, go there. If there is a lot of supply, not enough demand, it's a bad place, run away as fast as possible. Right. Most companies forget this simple rule. So where does demand come from? Very simple, from your customers. And we need to be clear, when you are afraid from the virus, you are afraid for your life. Mm -hmm. When you are afraid from the crisis, you are afraid for your spending. And spending is driven by your confidence. Confidence is driven by your level of uncertainty. So if you're not certain, you're not confident. If you're not confident, you're spending. You're not spending. Spending is the engine of growth. And the biggest mistake we see in companies, they panic, they focus internally, and they fail to get out, focus on the customer, and understand demand and understand what will shape demand. And demand in the customers, from the customer perspective, will be shaped by only two things. Number one, how important is your product for your customer? Mm -hmm. Is it a must? I need to have, I, I have to have this, or is it just a want? Oh, it's a nice leather bag I can buy it next, next year. Right. And the second element is consumer confidence. 
uh, and com- consumer confidence is driven by psychological elements, uncertainty, or rational elements, most of it is cash. So if you figure out the potential demand of your customer, you will reach two critical decisions today. Decision number one, should I stick to this customer or should I pivot? And decision number two, should I keep my existing portfolio and should I market it in the current way or I should change my portfolio and I should have a new way of marketing? And and because when we are hit by the crisis as human beings, our amygdala takes over. So our ability to rationalize our behavior goes down. And therefore, we suggest companies split their operation in three different levels. Level number one, we call it the survive team, the fire brigade. These guys have two priorities, secure cash for survival and communicate to everybody else. So I should do my numbers. I should say, okay, guys, we are okay for the next eight months. And then I should go back to my team and say, guys, don't worry. For eight or 10 or nine or 12 months, we are safe. Right. So number one, secure cash. Number two, secure engagement of my people. So this is the red team. Then we go, we call it the army. This is the move on team. Before the crisis, you had your own business. Then the crisis hits and you assume you will take your business and you will continue. The army, the move on team is responsible to find ways to optimize your existing business model. Okay. And then there's the third level. We call it the kamikaze team. These guys have the responsibility to kill your existing business model by reinventing a new one. Okay. And these three teams should not work together. Yeah. Because don't forget, the purpose of the kamikaze guys is to kill your, your own business. Because right. it's very simple. If your business could be killed by creating a better business model, somebody will do it. So it's better be you. So we suggest the company operation is split in these three levels to accommodate this huge level of stress and uncertainty. Okay. Well, thank you. That's a fantastic approach. Um, I like how you guys have articulated it, breaking it into those three teams that work independent of one another so that there's no influence to to take what would be a good idea from the kamikaze team and, and dissuade them from it. So. Yeah. Um, so I gave a webinar a, a while back, um, and one of the um, data points that I referenced was a McKinsey study, and they were looking at the impacts of um, what the health impacts and how we, you know, social distancing, how effective that is, and then what is the impact of the economic stimulus. Um, I'm curious, what are you seeing in Europe as things are, you know, I don't want to say coming back to normal, but I guess just as things are progressing, um, and, and what are you seeing as an outlook for the next, um, you know, six to 12 months? I think there was one critical element. Uh, The number of predictable elements in this crisis, I think, are bigger than people expect. Okay. Uh, uh, Number one, uh, a lot of people asking me, how long will this crisis last? And the second question is, what is going to happen after that? Right. I think these are the wrong questions. Okay. Because there's no answer. (laughs) The answer will be different in every country. Right. The answer will be different in every industry. And what is most fascinating, the answer will be different for every company in every industry. Uh, we work with a, a number of companies in the same industry, in the same country. They perform completely differently depending on the behavior of the management. But I think, uh, I think the, 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 the biggest, the most important factor is human nature will not change. It will take much more than locking us down for two months in our houses to change human nature. 
And human nature will be the main driver of consumer behavior in the next four to five years. Okay. Let me give an example. Uh, just imagine the Second World War. And maybe your family is killed in front of you. Your house is destroyed. Your city is completely destroyed. You don't have water. You don't have electricity. There is no food. There is no job. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Two months, two years after the, the war is over, consumer behavior is back to normal. So if you think two months will change our behavior, I think this is completely wrong. I think this is completely wrong. So understanding human behavior, I think is critical. And also we see three different industry patterns. Some industries are now slowing down, but they will come back. Okay. Uh, uh, tourism. Tourism will come back one yeah. way or another. Right. Travel will come back. Yes, business travel more slowly than, uh, than leisure travel. Some industries are slow, and their decline will continue. Retail. We believe retail will never be the same again. Right. Retail will be completely, completely transformed. But this is not the virus. This is not the crisis. The crisis is a propeller. It's technology. Right. Technology is shaping the way we buy stuff, the way we use stuff, the, the way we get information about stuff. And some industries never stopped. I mean, we one of our customers is the biggest internet fashion retailer in Ukraine. Uh, these guys, for the first quarter of this year, they did more sales than the whole of last year. Wow. Um, uh, so uh, I personally believe we are exaggerating the impact of human behavior in the long run. So if you understand human behavior, you'll be able to understand demand. If you understand demand, you'll figure out how this crisis will play out. Okay. Uh, well, I'd like to pivot. Um, you have another organization that you founded a couple of years ago that I think is really prevalent right now, um, ETHA, um, that is focused on, you know, well-being, um, you know, body and mind. Um, could you tell us, well, actually, I, I'd be curious on the genesis of this. Um, where did this come from? Um, and, uh, and then we'll ask a few more questions. I spent a lot of time studying Eastern philosophies. I lived in an ashram in India for one year. Okay. Uh, I was studying Vedanta and Zen and Buddhism. Uh, and at the same time, I come from the Western world. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I come from a communist country and I, then I became capitalist. And, uh, and I also, I'm very intrigued by the Eastern approach to health and well-being. The Eastern philosophy has a, a very holistic approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they treat your whole body as a system. In the West, some of the big Western beauty companies, they, they, they are trying to say to us, you put this cream on your face and your skin will be glowing. Right. They, then, they don't tell you that if you smoke a pack of cigarettes, if you sleep three hours a day, if you drink like fish, you can buy the best cream on the planet. It's not going to help you. Right. So what we are trying to do with this company, we are trying to understand Eastern philosophy and approach to well-being and beauty and apply it to our Western day-to-day problems. Uh, 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 Busy life, stress, uh, toxic environment. uh, And we think there is a tremendous possibility to improve our lives by studying these Eastern philosophies. Uh, So this is is where where, where it all came from. Uh, And we believe in, uh, for well-being and beauty, you should have a holistic approach. And we also believe there's one, one judge who never makes mistakes in the world, and this is nature. So the closer you get back to nature, the better chance you have to have a more healthy and more beautiful life. And we think Eastern philosophies are very sincere and very deep and very comprehensive in understanding this. 
I'm also extremely pissed off uh, by the way big corporations treat us. Okay. Let me give an example. Olympic Games. This is the most pristine sports event in the world. And all of a sudden, you have this amazingly beautiful Olympic champion, a 19-year-old girl who is advertising Coke. And I can promise you, this girl never, ever drinks Coke in her life. Right. So why is she standing in front of the whole world with a bottle of Coke in her hand? I can tell you why. Because she's corrupt. Coke is giving her X million of dollars to advertise this product to the whole world. And say to the whole world, if you drink Coke, you'll be like me. No. Or you, this lady with an amazingly beautiful hair who is showing us a shampoo and saying, guys, if you, if you use this shampoo, your hair will be like mine. No. Maybe this lady never uses this shampoo. Why is she doing it? Because she's corrupt. Who is corrupting her? The big corporations. And because I've been part of this world for a long time and I understand that the big companies know very well what they put in the bottle. Right. They know very well about the damage they do. If you sell cigarettes, you know you're doing damage. Uh, so the question is why they do it. Uh, I can only come with one answer. It's cash and it's profits. And at the same time, in the Eastern approach to beauty and well-being, I see a lot of sincerity. A lot, I see a lot of deep understanding of human nature. Uh, and almost not interested in, in, in creating profits out of it. So I just thought you can create a company, you can create products where you can do good and make money at the same time without compromising on, on, on neither. And are you seeing a shift right now? I mean, I think that there is a, um, it, at least maybe it's perception, but I do feel like there's an awareness and awakening, um, you know, specifically here in America where, you know, there's a social movement now with Black Lives Matter, um, where I do feel like corporations are, um, maybe they're not sincere in it, but they are at least making uh, initiatives um, to be more focused on community, to to be more focused on what kind of impact um, their corporate structure, their products or their services have. Um, do you think that you're, or are you seeing that as well? Or is it something that, you know, it's going to take the demand of the people to stop buying those products in order for those organizations to, um, to change? I don't know the answer. Okay. Uh, I personally believe it's a matter of education. Uh, uh, And the more educated people are, the more aware they will be uh, that what we consume, what we put in our stomach, uh, what we put on our hair, what we put on our skin has a tremendous impact on the quality of life we have. Uh, But it's an uneven fight. Uh, Let me me give an example. Uh, My daughter is 12 years old. Like any 12-year-old teenager, she has her heroes. And these are all the Instagram celebrities and the pop stars and all that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And all of a sudden, she sees her icon advertising Coke. So this big company, they pick up the best directors on the planet. They pick the best music writers on the planet. They pick the best artists on the planet. And they create an amazingly beautiful commercial. And my daughter goes on YouTube. And she sees this commercial and everything is right. I mean, beautiful music, beautiful people. She tastes the product. The product tastes fantastic. And against her, she has me. And I think to my 12 years old daughter, please don't drink water and sugar because it's not good for you. 
Well, who do you think will win the fight? Who do you think will win the fight? Right. So uh, uh, we need to, for the last two, two years, 10 million kids died because of starvation, malnutrition, and lack of medical support. Can you imagine this? For two years, 10 million kids. Do you know that if you take the advertising budget of the top three, the advertising budget Mm -hmm. of the top three FMCG companies, you will reduce these deaths by 85%. Have you heard anybody locking a country, not to mention locking the whole world to save the lives of 10 million kids, 5 million per year? So I, I really cannot make sense out of it. You guys in the US, you spend 733 uh, billion on weapons every year. So how do you make sense out of this? I, I, I really don't know. And at the same time, we know that it doesn't serve anybody. It really doesn't, does it serve you? Well, it doesn't serve the common people. It doesn't serve the common people. And right. so this is the, that's why I don't have the answer. Uh, uh, I see the desperate need for us to tackle these issues. At the same time, I see the people who can, they have no incentive to, because they are the guys who benefit out of not tackling these issues. Right. And this is one of the main reasons why we came up with this ESA project. Because we want to say to the big guys, listen, yes, we can have good products. Yes, we can make money and we can be 100% transparent. We can be 100% sincere with the products we make. Well, I applaud you for that because it does feel like it resonates. And I, I want to echo the sentiment that you have, which is there needs to be more awareness from individuals um, to realize what they're being subjected to from a communication standpoint. Um, I mean, to your point with your daughter, that's a great example. Um, but it happens happens to you know me and I'm 43, right? So it's not, a, it's not limited to just the youth. We have to realize that transparency is not something that's given to us. We have to seek it out. Um, so I appreciate what Ethos uh, is doing. So um, is there anything else that you think is important that we haven't talked about today um, that businesses should be aware of um, and, and focused as we move through these challenging times? I really believe if you want to master a business. It is the same as if you want to master yourself. Uh, You need to improve your own self. And it's all about creating energy. Uh, And it's all about being obsessed with the idea of improvement, Uh, improving yourself. Uh, Jihad is the conquest of the self. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci says there's no bigger or smaller victory than the victory of the self. So we all have the obligation, I think, first to understand ourselves. What drives us? What gives us energy? What, is, what are our strengths? Uh, and then try to operate a life where we spend most of the time on our strengths. Because if you do what is a strength, it gives you energy. Right. And unfortunately, we leaders a lot of time don't understand this. If you come and work in my company, in the job description, there's one element that is for everybody. You have to go to the gym every day. Okay. It's part of the job description. Because... I'm sure you have noticed your head is part of, uh, is linked to the body. It's a system. <laughs> right. A lot of people use the body only to transport the head. So I think we as leaders, we have the obligation to give people the opportunity to take care of their body and of their head at the same time. So this is sleep, this is nutrition, this is exercise, and yes, study marketing and study finance and study technology and IT, but all these two things should be put together. 
And this is our obligation as leaders, especially when we have young uh, kids coming to our companies. Well, well said. I think you, you mentioned it earlier when we were talking about people and organizations. Um, I do think that, you know, it's important to focus on both. But if you focus on the people, if you focus on yourself, it makes the organizational challenges so much more easy uh, because you are the organization. Um, and, and so if you can refine yourself, if you can refine your team, um, then you will see, you know, X improvement um, as you look at whatever challenges that are in front of you. That's why I say to my guys, guys, your top priority for tomorrow always is go to the gym. I mean, because your life is like a boat in a bay and the different boats are the different projects in your life. And this is your family and your friends and yourself and the business. But what is the, the tide that raises the water with all the boats? It is yourself. Right. So if you take care of your body, if you take care of your mind, you, you have an impact on your whole life, on your business, on, on, your, on your family, on your, your kids, on everything. So that's why I, I always say to my guys, guys, number one, exercise. Number two, read. Number three, meditate. Number three, be careful what you eat. Number four, five, sleep. Everything comes after that. Because if you do these five things, you build a machine. And this machine will serve you for the rest of your life. You'll be a father, the machine will serve you. You'll be a friend, the machine will serve you. You'll be a manager, the machine will serve you. So build your own machine first before you do anything else. Well, well said. Uh, I appreciate this enlightening conversation. Um, and I look forward to hopefully having you back on uh, down the road um, and wish you the best for, uh, for your family uh, and as well as your colleagues. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Good you very much. Hi, it's your host, Joshua Carlson. And I wanted to thank you for listening to today's show. This is the point where most shows ask you for a five-star review, but we're not doing this for the accolades. Don't get me wrong, seeing five stars feels great, but our goal here is to provide real content from real experts that can meaningfully propel you and your business forward. So if there's something we fell short on, a question we missed, or if you just have any constructive feedback, go ahead and leave a review with your thoughts. We also enjoy hearing directly from our listeners, so look for our contact info via the show notes so we can connect one-on-one. We really do love the feedback so we can continue to improve and propel the show forward for you and all of our listeners.